Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. How consistent is your hope? Do you have hope that wavers with the wind, depending on your situation, depending on your mood, how you woke up that day? Or do you have a hope that is constant and that is able to anchor you and able to lead you into the future? I've got one little boy, Rourke. His theory is he's, uh, wow, that's really hard to remember, 10. Um, (laughs) Our boys are, are 7, 8, 9, 10, and 12, and our girls are 14 and 17. So you'll forgive me for forgetting their ages. So we've got one little boy whose name is Rook, and he's 10 years old. And his theory is he would prefer not to be disappointed. So he just doesn't hope in anything. He just floats around. He has quite a happy life, but he won't set his hopes or his goal on something. They had gym competitions while we were away this weekend, their first gymnastics competition, Jed and Rook. And Rook's theory was, I'm just going to go and see what happens. I don't want to be disappointed. Jed, on the other hand, uh, I was speaking to the boys and I told them, did you know that the number one mental coach of pro golfers, uh, Tiger Woods' coach, and he's coached many people for decades, and when asked, what is the number one thing that you have taken after the last few decades of coaching professional golfers, and he said, it is 99.9% likely to get a negative outcome with a negative thought. 99.9%, it's almost impossible to get a positive outcome if you're starting off with a hopeless, negative thought. So I explained this to my boys, and Jed thought he'd put this into action. So he went to gymnastics, and they've got this bar, and they have to do a pullover. They jump up and flip their legs over, and then they must land on the bar with their hips on the bar. And uh, he can't do it. He couldn't do it. And so he said, Mom, do you know what I did? I watched this other boy, and he can do it. And as I was watching him, I was just imagining he was me. (laughs) And then I got up, and I did a pullover, Mom. I can do it now. And so they did their gymnastics competition now, and he got over 8 out of 10 for his uh, bar routine. Hope, 99.9% probable that you will get a negative outcome with a negative thought. How is your hope? Is it like the scripture says, tossed like a wave in the wind, a man double-minded and unstable in all he does? Or is your hope something that is able to anchor you? As uh, I don't know, how, how many of you have orchids in your home? Orchids are a very popular gift these days. A lot of people give people orchids, and they've got this long stalk flower and all these beautiful flowers. And the idea is that once the flower dies, you're supposed to keep this orchid thing going, and it must flower again. I don't know if anybody has been successful in that, but it's quite a difficult and tricky thing. Now, I have countless times received orchids, and I have countless dead orchids outside my back door. But two years ago, I was given an orchid, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, once a week, do what it says and put in two or three ice locks every Friday into this little orchid so that it can be drip-fed. And a year went past, nothing. It's like, you know what? It's probably nothing, but I'm just going to carry on putting these ice locks. It's almost two years, and it is currently in bloom. I know, it's a miracle. In the natural world, if we give up hope on something, 
we're unable to get it. That's just natural, natural sporting world, natural botanical world. If we give up hope on something, we are unable to achieve a positive outcome. What about in the spiritual world? How does that work? Many of you have heard, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but we had uh, my daughter and I, Kiara, my 13-year-old girl, we had a car accident on Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve at about one in the morning, uh, my husband was going back to receive her out of surgery, where she had had to have bone fragments picked out of her brain and her skull reconstructed to put back on her head from a car that I was driving and an accident that I was responsible for. And I took my Bible, and I had a moment with God, and I said, God, I need a word. I need something that I can do. What can I do? What can I do to make it better? And God gave me a scripture, Psalm 37, verse 7, that says, keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. All I needed was something I could do, something I could contribute to the party that was, that was positive and that would help my daughter as she was having the first of what turned out to be three brain surgeries. And I ask you in that moment, keep hope alive. How do we do it? <laughs> because you see, when we're given hope, it's like always in a bad situation. You don't need hope when it's a beautiful, sunshiny day and you are sitting at Kirsten Bosch watching the butterflies. You don't need hope. You need hope when you've got a bad situation. And I felt like in that situation, I was given a little seedling of hope in a handful of manure. And I want you to feel at complete liberty in this church building to insert whatever word you would like to for manure. Because honestly, you can't think of one bad enough. It reminded me actually of uh, when Kiara was a little newborn baby, 13 and a half years earlier. She, in those days, it was a good idea to have newborn photo shoots, but the newborn baby was always naked. I, I don't know, that was just like a photo thing going around at that time. And so Richard, the sweet 25-year-old Richard in his masculine hands is holding this cute little newborn baby bottom as she's curled up in a little fetus position and he's holding this little baby girl having a photograph and as he's doing that, she poos, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and it's dripping right through his fingers and he turns to Minius and he says to me, did you see that? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, love, she pooed. He says, no, did you see? I didn't drop her. <laughs> so proud of himself. <laughs> and you laugh at him. And yet how often are we given a precious seedling of hope in a handful of manure? <laughs> and we're at risk of dropping the seedling of hope. Tonight, you might just be getting a seedling of hope. You might have said, I've tried hope. I'm so over hoping for things. Or maybe like Rourke, you don't want to try hope because you'd rather just float around and not push into anything in case you're disappointed. I wonder today, tonight, if you will take the opportunity to receive a seedling of hope, probably in a handful of manure, and whether you'll let me help you know what to do with that so that it can last and you won't drop it, that you'll know where to plant it so that it is protected and not in danger of being dropped. What is our hope supposed to be in? Whose responsibility is hope? Does God give us hope? Are we supposed to hope? What exactly is hope? So I've got three points that I'm going to be bringing us today, and I'm going to start off with reading to you from Ephesians. Now, I'm reading quite a long passage from Ephesians. Um, if you are not 
not a Christian and you don't normally read the Bible and you don't understand what I'm saying, don't worry about it. Half the people here that are Christians have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, busy telling them and explaining to them what I'm saying. So don't feel bad at all if you like, I really do not understand. However, maybe you're super smart and you do understand. Either way, whether you're a Christian or not, listen up and let's see if we can study what the Scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. If I've lost you so far, you're like, that was a lot of words. It's fine. Check in now and you'll still get the message. I just wanted to say there's a lot of good stuff that God has given us, and so I wanted to start reading from the beginning, uh, if that meant anything to you. Otherwise, check in now. Making known to us the mystery of His will. What is the mystery of the will of God? What are we allowed to hope for? According to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. So it's already started, this will, as a plan for the fullness of time. So it's still in the works. To unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. The good thing that we're allowed to hope for is that in the gospel, the work that has begun in Jesus is that heaven and earth are going to be completely united. Every good and perfect thing that God initiated in the beginning of time, in the fullness of time, will be united with us again. Every health, every joy, every good thing in the fullness of time, and it's already started. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. So we're supposed to put our hope in Christ, and then something happens when we do that that is going to get God a lot of glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, this great news of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So when we put our hope in Christ, we're given something. There's a transaction. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we know that we've put our hope in something that makes sense. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith, and he prays a whole lot of stuff. I just skipped those words on the screen for you. Uh, where did I start? Having the eyes. Is it there? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. I've highlighted that for you. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of His great might. How powerful is this power that is available to us when we put our hope in Christ? Look how powerful it is. That He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Already heaven and earth united, the first action set forth in Christ as Christ was given new life, conquering death, heaven and earth uniting, death no longer having any power. And seated him 
in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, gave Jesus as head over all things to the church. Jesus given to us, which is his his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, heaven and earth, perfectly united in the body of Christ, which is us, the church, as we start to outwork heaven invading earth in this age, as well as in the one to come, above every name and every power and every sickness and every ruler and every authority in this age. Christ given to the church. Three points that we're going to look at today. The first is going to be that hope is a calling. Hope is an indicator and hope is our entry ticket into this good news of the gospel that heaven and earth can unite starting now, starting 2,000 years ago. The plan already in action, not in fullness yet, absolutely we admit, but absolutely still busy being outworked in this very day. Hope is a calling that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hope is something that we can do. Hope is our responsibility. You see, faith is a gift, but hope is a calling. Faith is a gift, but hope is a calling. But as we read in the scriptures, when we have hope, when we put our meager little touch of hope in Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to us and gives us faith. Faith is the evidence of what we've hoped for. We've put our hope in something we're not sure. Hope is flimsy as anything. Hope we got, I, I, I hope, and as we put our hope in Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to us and faith starts to fill our hearts. Faith starts to build up in us, and we realize that what we've put our hope in is real. What we put our hope in actually counts. That's how we became Christians. For those of you who are sitting here and thinking, I don't know how these, I mean, I'd love to have faith like them, but it's just not realistic. This is how it happened. We also thought it was unrealistic. We just put a sliver of hope into Christ, And then it opened up something. We were given the Holy Spirit, and we started to realize how true it was. And faith flooded into our hearts. You see, the trouble with hope is that hope lives in our soul realm. Uh, In other words, it lives in our emotions. Hope and hopelessness are emotions. And as such, they are able to be attacked by the enemy. If you can imagine uh, a situation of rock, paper, scissors. You know rock, paper, scissors, the game. Rock cannot be affected by scissors. Satan is like scissors, coming here to destroy and to cut up things. Faith is like a rock. He can't touch our faith, but our hope. Hope is flimsy. Hope is emotional. And so what he does is he just cuts up the hope. But this is the trouble. Faith lives in our hearts and in our spirits. Hope is the umbilical cord that joins us to God's love. And if the enemy can just cut off our hope, then we stop worrying about God's love. Hope is a calling. It's our responsibility. When uh, our second pregnancy, we, we lost our baby. And our third pregnancy, we were expecting a very healthy, robust, heavyweight boy. 
and I was a very healthy mom. The pregnancy was going incredibly well. Uh, we had two baby girls at that time because we had one and adopted one. And I was in labor, and I said to Richard, we need to phone your parents. They need to come. We don't, forgot that his parents lived like half an hour away. So we're waiting, and we're waiting because we can't leave our babies in the middle of the night, our two little girls, as we go off to the hospital, and we're waiting for them. And eventually, uh, we think we can't wait anymore. And I said, Richard, this baby is coming. I literally am going to have to go. And so we leave our remote control in our gate, uh, in our post box, and we drive off to the hospital. By this stage, we've left it to the absolute last minute. And there's 10 speed bumps on the way to our hospital. And so we're going going over these speed bumps and go faster, go slow, stop. What are you doing? I'm shouting at Richard. We get there. I have to be wheeled in in a wheelchair. How embarrassing. Wheeled in because I literally cannot walk at this point. I'm wheeled in. And the maternity nurse is my ex-boyfriend's mother. (laughs) And she says, oh, hello, sweetie, shame, Wielden, one of those girls. Uh, uh, Are are you in labor? So I said, no, I'm having a baby. (laughs) She goes, yes, of course you are. All right, come along. Jump on the bed then. Jump on the bed if you don't mind. I'm like, come, come, come. Managed to get myself onto the bed. She has a little look and she goes, oh, wow. And she goes sprinting out the room, phones the doctor, and we hear her in the passage. Yes, no, absolutely, right now. And so she puts the phone down. She comes running back in and she asks me to turn onto my side and she holds my legs closed as the baby is trying very hard to come out. A few minutes later, the doctor arrives and he delivers this huge big boy, puts him on my chest, and Richard says, it's a boy, it's a boy. And I say nothing because the baby is completely limp, white as snow. He's not breathing, he's not moving, he's not making a sound. And I I don't even touch him, and the doctor says, can I take him? please. And he takes the baby. He sees what he can do. For those who understand uh, medical, a baby is given its first testers out of 10, and it gets two points for breathing, two points for being pink, two points for moving, two points for having a heartbeat, two points for being alert. Uh, And our baby got one out of 10. They took him, tried to resuscitate him. Uh, What had happened is the umbilical cord had had a tear during labor, and our baby had lost over 60% of his blood. And obviously, what was left, the, our little boy, the blood turned acidic, and he had acidosis, the little bit of blood that he had left, and he was white as snow. Uh, the, Richard was crying, the doctor was crying, it was a mess. Hope is our umbilical cord to God's love. And when it is damaged and it is leaking out, we can no longer support life. And naturally, his umbilical cord had been damaged. And we had a choice to make. Were we going to let our umbilical cord of faith be damaged too? Or were we going to leave it plugged into God's love, having previously just had a disappointment of losing a baby, Were we going to continue to hope in the love of God, irrespective of what was going to happen, trusting for heaven to invade earth? And we went through to the neonatal ICU. Uh, My dad, who 
doesn't know God, Richard and I and our pastor at the time, and this little boy, he looked, he was massive, he was four kilograms, he looked completely out of place, he had this little hooked nose with a plaster on, he looked like a rugby player with little pecs, but like a statue of a rugby player, and we laid our hands on him and we started to pray, and as we started to pray, his face turned pink, and his neck turned pink, down to just below his heart, turned pink. That night I breastfed him, and three days later we went home. We have a choice to make with this a very, very important umbilical cord. Will we leave it in the love of God and allow the opportunity of heaven to invade earth? Or will we give up and say, I can't take it anymore. I've already lost a baby. I will not hope for another one. You see, Satan can attack our hope. But here's what he doesn't realize, is hope is a calling, yes. But hope is also an indicator, a very helpful indicator that helps us to know that we are under attack by Satan. When we have lost hope, it means we have taken our attention off of God and off of the greatness of his ability to come through for us. It means that we are wavering and our soul's attention is not where it should be. When you're feeling hopeless, your soul is wafting around and has forgotten that it is supposed to be led by your spirit. It is not the leader of your life. Hope transcends our current physical reality. Hope is above that because hope is planted in God's love and his goodness and his ability to do miracles that we have heard of before and possibly experienced as well. Will we keep watering the orchids, so to speak, in the hope that one day life will come. <laughs> Funnily enough, in our situation with our baby girl recently in December, when we had been told that her situation was completely and utterly hopeless, we had to make a choice. Were we going to give up? Were we going to quit uh, pushing in because it was, it was a hopeless situation? Were we going to trust in the facts or in the truth? Were we going to trust in the facts that there was no medical possibility of her waking up without severe brain damage, that she would remain in a vegetative coma? Or were we going to trust in the truth that God is able to heal and that heaven will invade earth and our future looks like us being united with heaven and with all things being renewed, the power that is available to us is like that of Christ. You see, hope is an indicator and the devil forgets that we are able able to notice whether we've lost hopelessness, whether we've lost hope and become hopeless. Just recently, after incredibly, a, incredible story of faith and walking our daughter into wholeness and healing and trusting in God and a faith journey that was next level beyond anything I've ever experienced, I'm busy preparing a message on hope and I feel absolutely hopeless. <laughs> I'm feeling like I can't do this, God. I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. Why, why did you call me? I'm, I'm tired. I, I can't do this. And then I hear a message that says, if you're on an incredible faith journey, do you know what it's going to look like? Fear, first of all, because a faith journey calls us beyond what is seen and beyond what is known. It's going to, first of all, look like fear. And then it's probably going to look like failure. 
the baby before had died. We, 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 we are in the age where the fullness of what is to come is not yet. So if we are stepping out in faith and going beyond what we're able to control, sometimes it's going to look like failure because we're not sure what is the win and what is God going to do. And then it's going to look like fatigue, which is what I experienced as I had gone through an incredible faith journey and realized I'm just fatigued. The devil is taking advantage of this moment to attack my umbilical cord. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm obviously thinking that my attention has come on to what I'm able to do and what I'm able to produce. You see, faith is not generated. Faith is fed. Faith is not manufactured. Faith is fed by an umbilical cord that is placed correctly. And when we recognize the season we're in, I'm just feeling fatigued. I'm feeling hopeless. Oh, thanks, Satan. You did me a favor. I've realized that my hope is not focused on the right thing. Hope shows us the object of our soul's attention as we turn it back onto God. You see, the wonderful thing about an indicator is it tells you where you're going and it tells you the way out. You see, an indicator is on. My hope is an indicator and it's indicating that I'm headed to a dead end. Switch it. Hope is an indicator. That's where I'm going. That's my way out. Hope shows us the way out. Hope is a calling. It's our responsibility, but it feeds faith. Hope is an indicator. It helps us to know that we've, we've lost the correct focus of what we should be looking at. And hope is our entry ticket. Hope is our entry ticket into being united with the gospel with the good news, and with the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because when we can continue to hope, we can continue to have the flow from God's love into our faith and heaven invading earth. We can continue to water the orchid, so to speak, to pray for the baby. And in our situation in December, after five days of our baby girl being in a coma, we remembered that a few months before, she had received a word from somebody who, what we call a, a prophetic word, somebody who on a regular basis heard things from God about other people. We were in the Middle East and we had the privilege of our, our girls having their first and possibly only, we've, we've wanted to take each of our kids at least once on a trip with us somewhere. And our girls in September, got to, three months before this accident, had been with us in the Middle East. And somebody had come up to us and asked if they could pray for our daughter, Kiara. And as they had prayed for her, they'd said some things that were a little bit strange, but we recorded it anyway. And at the time, it meant absolutely nothing. And I'll tell you uh, the, what they said, and you'll probably agree with me. However, it came to mean everything. At the time, they said, this couple that were talking overheard, Kiara, do you, do you know about ballet shoes, about point shoes that a ballerina wears, those hard cap shoes, and she just smiled because she's a ballet dancer and she knows very well about point shoes and has many blisters to prove it. And they said, Kiara, under those point shoes, there's always a lot of blisters and, and pain. I feel like God's saying to you that you are going to enter a season of suffering. But take heart, God has got many, many shoes for you. And they, then she said, I'm not talking metaphorically, actual shoes. He's got many, many shoes for you. And so at the time we said, oh, thank you very much. I mean, she was currently barefoot because she doesn't wear shoes. She's a young teenage girl and quite happy in her little shorts and, her, and barefoot. And okay, so she's going to enter a season of suffering, but she's going to have many, many shoes. 
And then her husband started speaking over Kiara and said, Kiara, I feel like you're a really smart girl, I think. Um, but God says that you are going to have a switching on of your intelligence in the new year. And you are going to have an intelligence far beyond what you have right now. And he's going to gently push you into the limelight. Don't resist. Now, five days into her being in a coma, Kiara's made headlines. News 24 are reporting on her, and it makes no sense. There's no reason. She's a child who's had an accident and looks like she's going to die. (laughs) There's there's no news, really. This happens every day. And we're driving to the hospital, and on the billboard it says, uh, support for Kiara, rallies in, and we're thinking, what is going on, God? Why? What have you you done? And we remember this word. The first part, you will have suffering. The last part, you will be pushed into the limelight. But then there's this middle part that hasn't happened yet. Will our baby girl ever need shoes again? Will she need running shoes? Will she need wedding shoes? Will she need ballerinas? Their point shoes cost a thousand rand, (laughs) and they need a new pair of point shoes every six months. (laughs) Is she going to need shoes? And is she ever going to have intelligence again? And there's hope. Our hope is in God's love. And at this point, we can continue to feed our hope. We can continue to plant our hope. And as we continue to plant our hope, we decide to put down a red form that says, do not resuscitate her if her heart fails again. We decide to go and join the prayer meetings of the people that are praying for our daughter to recover. And we decide to call heaven into earth today. We decide to call the full power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the fullness of heaven uniting earth today. We decide to call it down. And in a prayer meeting with hundreds of people, we say, Talita Kaum, little girl, rise up. Talita Kaum, Holy Spirit, would you invade earth? Would you bring the future into today? Would you open up access to heaven and into the fullness of this little girl being being healed? Not only there, but pull it to today as we anchor our hope in the future and in eternity and we pull heaven into today and our little girl wakes up and everything looks different. Hope comes because we have placed our hope in the correct place and therefore the power of God is able to enter today. This is what God has for us, friends. This is what God has for the church. He has put all things. The church is the fullness of him. We are the body of Christ that was raised from the dead. That is what is invading earth more and more and more until the fullness of age. Friends, I would like to say to you that I believe that Kiara has ushered in a new season for us as a church. That this, if this is true, if this is true that the plan was set forth in Christ and is going to be completed in the fullness of time, then we are going to be seeing more and more and more of heaven breaking through into earth. Can I invite the band up to join me as we just finish? You're welcome to stand as well. As we finish with this scripture. that you would be rooted and grounded in in love, that you would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. It's a huge place where we get to place our anchor and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. 
now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. To him be the glory in the church today and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Hope is a calling, friends. Would you put it where it belongs today? If I have given you a seedling of hope, no matter what situation it is sitting in right now, no matter how many times you've been disappointed. Yes, there is a story of ours that is in the fullness of age, we will experience all things. But it is our responsibility as the church, as we put our hope in Christ, to draw heaven in today, that God would be glorified today when we put our hope in Christ, Ephesians says, God will get glory today. He will be praised in all the earth today because hope unlocks something. Hope gives us access to something. Hope brings the gospel and applies it into our situation. Don't give up hope. That is what God is calling you today in the church. Will we continue to push longer and harder into his love so that we will see more and more of his power as the fullness of age approaches?